my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is episode... I, I said it. I just realized I went out of order. I usually say this is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 559. I started to say this is episode 559 of Strong Opinion Sports. That's backwards and feels wrong to me. Not sure how that happened, but um, I, I guess I'm out of the, the usual rhythm. Um, I'm, a li- I'm tired today. I've been working for days and days just in a row on predictions. And I, I feel like I needed a break from doing predictions. I've just been so deep in the weeds with this topic. I'm like, I need to just focus on something else for a day. Just get away from this topic. So um, I'm going to make a kind of a change to the schedule. I'm doing predictions tomorrow and Friday. And I am I was going to do this episode on Friday, but I'm like, I, I need something else to focus on. So here we are. Uh, today's episode is going to be focused on the Netflix documentary, Untold Johnny Football, the story of Johnny Manziel. It's a really good documentary. I wouldn't call it fun to watch. I would say that it's actually, um, it's sad. It's, I, I've struggled, I have struggled with mental health a lot. I've been honest about that over the years. And someone who's, as someone who's struggled with mental health, it's actually kind of difficult to watch. You're like, ugh, this is, I have a lot of questions, a lot of things that I'm like, oh, I, I feel like we didn't get the whole story even. Um, I want to say this, though, at the top. If you have not seen the documentary Untold Johnny Football, the the documentary about Johnny Menzel on Netflix, uh, and you are, like, really sensitive to spoilers, I'm going to spoil the documentary, and I'm going to talk all about it. Uh, so if you're really sensitive to that, hey, skip it, go watch it, come back and listen to this. If you have seen it, hey, enjoy it. And if you're not sure if you want to watch that documentary, I think listen to this podcast. You'll hear a lot of information about it. It might point you in that direction and encourage you to watch it. Um, often like there's a lot of stuff that I'm on the fence about. And when I listen to a podcast about it, that usually spoils what happens. It goes, Oh, I, I probably should go watch that. And then I end up, I listen to the spoiler episode and then I go listen to it and I I go watch or play whatever game or pot movie I was listening to a podcast about and I get way more enjoyment and it points me towards something I otherwise would have ignored. Uh, so let's jump in. Let's talk about it. You know, once upon a time, a video that it's, it's interesting. I'm proud of it, but it's also a very old video. It's me like in my college dorm room with a white backdrop. It's super echoey. Um, but it's the most popular video I've ever made is a Johnny Manziel film analysis. I think I called it Johnny Manziel, a sad story of overhype, something like that. Um, where I, what I'm proud of is I showed the bad habits Johnny Manziel had on the field on film, not just, we all knew it's very documented. The stuff he did off the field that was crazy and were probably not quite right, but he also, on the field, had a lot of bad habits that I, I talk about in that video I'm very proud of. This Netflix documentary tells the story of him behind the scenes, the person off the field and what was happening. And one thing I, I guess I really didn't realize in watching this, I mean, Johnny Manziel happened while I was in high school. This is like 2013, 2012. I graduated in 2015. I watched the entire Johnny football, Johnny Manziel saga and storyline as it developed I remember watching him go to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama on the road, kind of have his Heisman moment. I was watching with my dad. It was amazing. And so I, I, not there wasn't a lot of new stuff added to the storyline. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I know what happened to Johnny Football. But what's really interesting about it is hearing all the interviews, all the people reflecting on that time. You know, Cliff Kingsbury's in this documentary a lot, which is surprising to me. I thought he was, you know— in a foreign country, literally like in Thailand, just, you know, 
enjoying retirement. Turns out he actually got hired by USC football recently. He's, he's kind of back. Um, he participated a lot in this documentary. That surprised me tremendously. Kevin Sumlin, who is a head coach of Johnny Football, not of the documentary at all. Seems like he actively did not participate. But you get to hear from Johnny's dad, Johnny's mom, his family members. You get to hear from Johnny Manziel himself reflecting on those years and who he was. It's really interesting because, again, all this stuff is well documented. I know what happened with Johnny Manziel. I know about, I, I guess, I, maybe me more than other people because it's my job to follow sports. But um, if you follow Johnny Manziel, you probably know all the stuff they talk about in the documentary. But what's really cool is hearing the insight, hearing the people who were actually there talk about these events and hearing his perspective. Johnny's himself, he talks about his past with so much regret. And, uh, you know, he, he actually describes at one point Johnny Football like an alter ego. Like there's me, Johnny Manziel, and Johnny Football is this character that I, I want to be like. And I, you know, it's, I don't know, man. I almost, I'd love to see a follow-up actually after this documentary because now he lives in Scottsdale, doesn't really do a lot. It doesn't seem like a particularly particularly fulfilling life he's living. He just lives in his house. He just kind of hangs out. Um, I, I'd like to see a documentary about his journey in the Canadian Football League and the other football leagues he tried to play in and what happened. I feel like we got half the story in this documentary. We got like the highlights that everyone knows about, college, high school, the NFL, and then it kind of stops. And you're like, I, I would have liked to see even more. What happened in the years he was trying to play in Canada and that kind of stuff. Um, I understand why they didn't. They're trying to put a, an hour's worth of content out there. It's a lot, but I would actually be totally interested in seeing a follow-up and, and the more of the untold stories of what happened in the years after the NFL. Um, one thing that was really interesting watching this documentary, something that I've just never, it's not that I didn't realize this, but I'd never have put a lot of thought into it. You know, to me, the NFL is the pinnacle of football. I'm really interested in the NFL. I love the NFL. Because it's really high-level football. I mean, I, I got asked a, a question on Patreon the other day why I talk differently about college and the NFL. It's because the NFL, to me, is like, that's the best football you could possibly have. People are playing at their peak. It's the best people doing you know, football at the highest level. College football, to me, is a step down. But the reality is there's like so much more passion. There's so much more people. There's so much more engagement. Uh, and you know, it, it's really the first time I ever thought about this that Winning a Heisman Trophy is actually, in many ways, a way bigger deal than winning the NFL MVP. I would argue winning an NFL MVP is actually harder. you got to be more talented and more skilled. But the Heisman Trophy is like the pinnacle, maybe, of any award you can win in football. I mean, the it's a bigger celebration. Your hometown cares. Your local college community cares. There's more passion in college sports. I never thought about that and how life-changing it can be to win a Heisman Trophy. You see it firsthand in this documentary. And one thing that I, I think you have to talk about this. It's, I don't want to just go to this next. We're going to skip way ahead in the story is that Johnny Manziel hates the NCAA and I can't blame him at all. I actually don't like the NCAA. They drive me nuts. They've got all these regulations. It, it's stupid. I hate the old NCAA more than the NCAA we have of today, but you know, Reggie Bush getting in trouble was ridiculous. He should have been able to profit off of what he was doing for USC Johnny Manziel happened. This Johnny football story, his success in college happened before you were able to make money off of your own name, image, and likeness. And man, is it frustrating and sad to know and hear about that Johnny was this superstar. There weren't resources to help him at all. 
And it's it's so sad that he actually wasn't able to fully capitalize on the biggest moment of his entire life. In fact, him trying to make money off of his college football career, he was treated like a criminal by the NCAA. Like, he didn't do anything illegal, but he broke the NCAA rules and violated some stuff. And it's just really sad. I mean, there's a stat in this documentary. There were 45 million number two A&M Adidas jerseys sold. He didn't get any of that money. Like, so many people profited off of Johnny Menzel, except for him. He made some money. Like, they talk about he made, like, a hundred grand, um, you know, signing autographs in Miami for stuff. But, like, dude, he made pennies on the dollar compared to what he was making for Texas A&M as a university, the NCAA, all their business partners, all this. It's just insane. Like, it, it's really sad because Johnny Menzel should be so rich he can't even see straight and set for life, and he's not. He doesn't seem like he, he comes across like he's got an okay life. He's, he owns a house in Scottsdale. I don't really know what his financial situation is, honestly. But I don't, I don't get the sense Johnny is, made, is, is living as large as he probably should be able to based on what he did for college football, how much he made. Now, would Johnny Manziel with lots and lots of money be a good thing or not? I'm not sure. I don't know how responsible he is. I don't get the sense that him with access to millions of dollars is exactly the best thing possible because he has a habit of going a bit overboard. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But, you know, Texas A&M was entering the, the SEC for the first time at the same time this happened. Like, Johnny Manziel put Texas A&M on the map, helped them give, you know, finance building, rebuilding their stadium. I mean, it's crazy how much money he gave to A&M not giving to them, but provided through his services and just wasn't paid for. Uh, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, paid, I think, what he is owed by the NCAA, by college football, and, and by Texas A&M. It's really sad to me. And it's very clear that Johnny Manziel, there was a point where he loved football, obviously, growing up, but he, I, I think, always loved and it, it might have shifted to be even a greater pronunciation of the difference between this, but I met Trent Dilfer in high school, did some Elite 11 workouts. He said, do you love football or do you love what football brings you? I'm of the mind that Johnny Manziel loved what football brought him. In fact, it's very possible that Trent Dilfer came up with the saying by watching Johnny Manziel go through. Like, do you want fame or do you want to play football? And I think fame and attention was something that Johnny Manziel enjoyed more than winning on the field. He liked what football brought him. And I think that's something that happened over time. I'm sure he started loving football. And then as the fame and attention happened, I think it got to his head and really messed with him. I would not want to be that level of famous. I, I'd like to be a little famous. It'd be great. It would help me financially. That would be awesome. I'd love more notoriety and more views. That would be awesome. But to be able to not go outside of your house to just to be mobbed all the time, to be worshipped and treated like a god, like that seems horribly uncomfortable. And uh, I'd like maybe a little more notoriety, a, a, a slightly bigger corner of the internet, but I would still like to be a small person in the corner of the internet who's not well known because doing uh, the life of Johnny Menzel honestly does not seem like a lot of fun to me. Um, I mean, the drinking, the partying, I think I could enjoy it for a little bit, but I've lived that life. I've done a bit of that. It's exhausting. Like I used to work in L.A., pulling all-nighters. My boss was doing insane stuff, and I had to keep up with them and, and the group I was with, and it was a, a, a horrible time for me. It was really difficult. Um, one thing I loved in this documentary is hearing about Johnny Menzel signing autographs for money and 
how he found a way to make like 30 grand a pop every time he'd go to Miami and sign memorabilia. And uh, that's awesome. I, I thought what I really enjoyed about that story was the way he escaped his punishment. You know, he, he was doing something the NCAA didn't allow, making money off of his name, image, and likeness, profiting off of, I think rightfully so, but the NCAA didn't like that. Their president is in this documentary multiple times. The former president, I would believe, with horrible quotes, basically talking about college athletes as they have no right to make any money off of who they are, which is just absurd and ridiculous. But there was a story created by, frankly, it seems like a, a really good friend of Johnny Manziel's, Nate, his best friend at the time, who became sort of a, a business manager of sorts of his. They created a story that, well, Johnny Manziel, he has all this money. He can afford courtside tickets. He can afford to hang out with Drake and fly all over the country and do crazy stuff because he comes from a very wealthy family that has oil money. And people bought that. Like, that was a thing. Like... The, there were pictures of him signing memorabilia, which you're not supposed to do, but there's no pictures of him being handed money. There's none of that. So he was able to escape punishment off this technicality by saying, like, yeah, I've got a rich family. Not actually true. They exaggerated it greatly, but people bought and sold that story. And he was able to walk away with only a half game suspension, which is hilarious. And, you know, I, it's, I'm in a weird water. I'm, I'm in weird waters here because I don't like what Johnny Manziel did, a lot of the stuff, the way he carried himself. But I do like hearing a story of someone pulling a fast one on the NCAA and tricking them and beating them. Like I, I equally hate the NCAA. I think it's horribly unfair the way they've treated college athletes for years. I'm glad that now, if you're a really popular athlete, you can have Instagram ads, you can sell t-shirts, you can make money off of your name, image, and likeness because everyone around you is. So I liked hearing that. Um, he, he found a way to kind of beat the NCAA and, and slip under the radar there. That's pretty cool to me. Um, now, he had this best friend, Nate, who was along for the ride on private jets, going to crazy parties, meeting LeBron, meeting Drake. And Nate was willing to take the fall. It's sad now. I, I'd love to hear more about that because I don't know what Nate does now. We don't really see that. He's in a looks like a nice setting and a nice shirt, but it sounds like he hasn't talked to Johnny Manziel since Johnny went to the NFL. Like his Johnny's people said, hey, you got to separate from Nate. And um, he left Nate behind. And it sounds like they haven't talked since he went to the Cleveland Browns like in 2014, which is insane. You're like, man, I, I can't believe that, how long it's been um, to, to have your best friend who helped you along the way and then not talk to him. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff going on there. They probably sounded like they were really unhealthy for each other, but there's more story there that wasn't you know, dug into by the documentary crew, and maybe it was to cut it out. Maybe, who knows? But it felt like there was more story with Nate that we didn't see that I would love to hear about. And there's two alternate realities that I will always wish I could see. I love, you know, there's a TV show, Rick and Morty. It's pretty popular, but it's a, science, it's a science fiction twist, and they always go to alternate realities. You get to see alternate versions of yourself. And I'd love to see the alternate versions of Johnny Manziel where different decisions were made or he was slightly different or this or that. Like, what if Johnny Manziel was allowed to make money from his name, image, and likeness just openly and honestly? Would that have been, I mean... Maybe it would have been worse off. Maybe he would have been more flaunting his money, more separation between him and his teammates, even more of this crazy stuff. I also find it interesting. You never saw this documentary crew interview a former teammate of his. They don't talk to anyone from the Browns. They don't talk to anyone from Texas A&M. That feels like a perspective that should have been included. What was it like to play with Johnny Menzel? I would imagine it was 
pretty horrible because he acted like he was above everyone else and the rules didn't apply to him the same way they applied to his teammates, which he could justify by saying, I'm the man, I'm the best football player in, in college, but it's also not cool. And so I, I would just imagine that there's a lot of dynamics there we didn't get to see explored. And regardless, I will always wonder about that alternate reality. What if Johnny Manziel was able to make money openly from his success in college football? It might have been worse, but it might have been better. In fact, I can imagine a world where he left college football after starting for two years. Very quickly, would he have maybe reached the peak of his success? I I, I don't know. Um, I've got a story to tell. I'll, I'll get to it later as I go through all this, all my notes, but... I also wonder if Johnny Manziel, what if he had discipline? What if he'd been, we look at Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or Kenny Pickett, all these young quarterbacks in the NFL today, who just, they, they're professionals. Desmond Ritter is a great example. Desmond Ritter has a family, quarterback out of Cincinnati, now he's in Atlanta. Whatever you want to say about Desmond Ritter as an athlete or his ability level, he takes the game very seriously. He, he really, I really appreciate his approach to football. Same with Brock Purdy. In San Francisco, he, he's taking his opportunity in San Francisco to be a starter very, very seriously. Johnny Manziel didn't do that. What if he had? Like, there's stories of him, you know, his agents getting calls from the Cleveland Browns saying, Johnny's not watching any football, any film. Like, his, his iPad numbers are zero. And Johnny confirms that. Like, that's crazy. He was an NFL quarterback not watching any film. What if he tried a little harder? What if he had treated his body like a temple and tried to train as an athlete and tried to you know, not skip workouts, not got this inflated ego, not, you know, ignored film and done all this stuff? Like, what if he'd taken it seriously the way quarterbacks we see today now do? I, I'll always wonder. I don't—it's very unlikely his style of play would have translated to the NFL because what he was good at was the ability to improvise and run around. But he really—you know, he was good at— making throws off schedule and doing crazy stuff, but he also wasn't that great of an athlete. His 40 time was fairly average. He was quick in college, but for the NFL, probably wouldn't have been as good of an athlete. He didn't have a huge arm. There was no throwing the football that he, like no ability level that he was like, oh my gosh, like Josh Allen, you watch him. That's a different level athlete. Johnny Manziel wasn't that kind of athlete. He was a guy who was a standout in college who probably would have come back down to earth in the NFL regardless of what happened. I mean, kind of the craziest thing about him is that they kind of hoodwinked the Cleveland Browns into drafting him in the first round. I mean, Johnny's former agent is in this documentary, Eric Burkhart, and it seems like he really tried to help Johnny. In fact, it seems like there was a time where he thought Johnny was actually going to grow up and mature and take football really seriously, but there was a, a moment where he realized this kid can't keep it together. Like, he's getting drunk, he's doing crazy stuff, he just can't fall in line, and Eric Burkhart's job to Johnny, like, as his agent, became all about trying to just get him to the finish line, get him to the NFL draft without getting in trouble, because he kept getting in trouble and getting drunk and doing dumb stuff, like, he was, maybe had an opportunity to be the number one overall pick, he could have hoodwinked Houston into drafting him number one overall, however, he got drunk at a golf course, the owner of the Houston Texans found out at some point, and that knocked him off the board so because you can these billionaire owners man they know very little about football and their job is to hire smart people but they still have influence they own the team if they want to draft Johnny Manziel you got to do it that's what happened in the Cleveland Browns that's why the Browns drafted him 
But there was a chance he could have hoodwinked Houston or Dallas into drafting him, but he kept getting in his own way. And even leading up to the combine, he was barely able to pass a drug test. Like He, he just kept falling off the wagon. And I, I love the story of he's thinking, maybe I'll get drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, number 16 overall. And uh, the Browns actually, sorry, the, the Cowboys drafted Zach Martin, their legendary guard, who right now is in a contract dispute, but ended up being like the greatest draft pick they could have possibly made. That might be the best player from that draft class. Can you imagine if the Cowboys had drafted Johnny Manziel instead of Zach Martin? Like, it's it's so interesting to me. And and this agent, Johnny Manziel's agent, is just trying to keep it together and trying to keep this under wraps, the, the lie, the secret of how much of a disaster Johnny is off the field. And uh, gosh, it's so fascinating. And then I, I want to maintain something. I, I really think that Johnny would have been a, a nightmare to play with and to coach. I mean, kind of the word is insufferable to deal with him every day when he was in college football. And he's supposed to be your leader, your best player, but he's not going to workouts. He's late to meetings. He's doing all kinds of insane stuff. Like just a weird environment when, you know, football is all about, there's a culture in football. You take stuff seriously. You go to work, you, you put in the work, you, especially as a quarterback. And he just, ignored every rule you're supposed to follow as a leader and as a quarterback. I, that'd be difficult for me as a teammate. If I'm the backup quarterback in Texas and I'd be like, dude, what, what the heck's going on here? And uh, as a coach, I don't know what you do because, you know, Cliff Kingsbury literally said, I want to try to let Johnny be Johnny. I mean, even in the first start he ever made uh, against Florida, they were trying to control him a little bit. And it wasn't until game number two where they let him be himself and play his style of football. They succeeded at a high level. So you got Cliff Kingsbury towing this line between you want to coach him, but he's technically an adult and it's working. He's winning. So how can I tell him it's not right? I mean, it's, it's a really tough situation to be in. And um, I, I will always wonder, like, what would have happened? I mean, there's literally a line. His, his, I think his mom says, he's so famous. Why would he listen to anyone? He's hanging out with LeBron and Drake. I mean, why would he listen to anyone trying to keep him accountable? So I, I can't imagine trying to coach Johnny Menzel in college. Um I uh, I have something to say. I'm not going to say it. I've got a story to tell later, but I, I want to try to not reveal where I got the story from. Um, what I will say, I was waiting, watching this documentary. I'm waiting and waiting, and, and I was waiting for this moment where he would take accountability a little bit and say, like, I screwed up. I was wrong. And he didn't he didn't make excuses necessarily. But he did talk a lot about how, like, I didn't handle, you know, the the situation was crazy. The NCAA screwed me. I wasn't ready for all the fame. But he he kind of it felt like he was blaming it on the attention. It felt like he's like, oh, you know, the fame was insane to deal with. And the NCAA was horrible. And I don't know. He didn't not take accountability. But there wasn't – there was kind of this bit of dissatisfaction with me where I was like I was waiting for him to say, like, you know, really own, like, I, I just was not prepared to be an NFL quarterback. I, I didn't take stuff right. I, I, I actually would, I would, I'd like to interview Johnny Manziel myself to hear if he would say that if challenged a little bit. Um, because he, he didn't make excuses, but he also didn't take extreme ownership of what happened. It's interesting to me. And I, I, I just wonder what it's like to really talk to him, what the interviews are actually like. I mean, what's going on? Um, but it was really interesting hearing him talk about playing in the NFL specifically because he had money, he had fame, he had a chance to be a starting quarterback. He had everything he could have ever asked for, and yet 
he was still deeply unhappy. Um, and I, I can relate to that. There was a moment in my life right before, um, 2020, everything went down. Um, I, I was, I was living life really well, man. I, I had a house. I was killing it on YouTube. I, life was good, man. I was engaged. It was pretty awesome. And, uh, I remember moments where I like, I felt like I had everything I could have ever wanted and I was miserable. It was so weird. It was so interesting how that I find a parallel there with Johnny and I've really struggled with mental health and try to be honest about it. Um, but I, I try to really spend a lot of time with self-reflection and trying to figure out what went wrong and what was going on in my head and what I can do better now. Um, I don't know. I, I hope Johnny's doing good, man. I'm, I'm not sure that he's done enough work. I think he's got a ways to go actually till he's really, um, where he needs to be as a person. We've seen, there's a lot of parallels between Johnny Manziel and Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf is a quarterback drafted number two overall after Peyton Manning. He's a huge, it's viewed as a huge bust in the NFL. Some of the biggest busts in NFL history are, uh, you know, Jamarcus Russell, Johnny Manziel and Ryan Leaf. And Ryan Leaf has turned a corner. I've interviewed him. I see him on TV all the time. He's killing it, and he got his life together. He got his act together. He's, he's settled everything up, and he's, he's an adult. He's doing really well. Johnny's not there yet, I don't, I don't think. And I think it was his sister saying, like, you know, people ask why Johnny doesn't do anything, but mentally he's not ready for that. I wonder if there's a future, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years from now, where Johnny is able to be like a broadcaster on ESPN or do something more than just sit at home chilling um i don't know it's interesting to me it's very clear he wasn't prepared for all the fame and the success and the attention and the spotlight that was put on him and yet it's also frustrating to me i just will always it really sticks in my craw he was so underpaid for all of the services and the money he brought to all the people around him but you know depression and mental health but depression in particular i I fought with depression a lot i try to be honest about it because i think it's important to say that and I don't want people to think they're alone out there. Um, depression can make you really reckless and not care about the consequences of your actions. And, you know, there's an example. This Johnny Manziel went to Vegas the day before a game. Like on a Saturday, he goes to Vegas thinking he's going to fly to the game the next day. It's insane. It's stupid. But again, I want to remind people, when you're really struggling mentally, you're not happy, you're disappointed in what's going on, you become really reckless and, and unworried about the consequences of what's going to happen. And he said after the NFL, he goes on benders. He was thinking about taking his own life. Yeah, when you're in that headspace, I've been in the headspace before where you just don't care. You're like, I, I'm going to live it up. I'm going to do the best I can. I, I think it's well documented what, what happened to me in the last couple of years of my life. I think Johnny was in this deep hole where he couldn't fix it. He was very sad. And it was, it was hard to watch him talk about it and hear this story because it's very... It's uncomfortable, man. And it was cool to hear his dad say he thinks the best days are ahead of him. Um, But you have to make peace with your life and make the best of it. I mean, college is such a crazy time. My my brother committed suicide while I was a freshman in college. Um, And it's weird. 18, when you're in college, you're 18 years old or 19, 20. So you're technically an adult. Legally, you definitely are. But you're still also kind of a kid. You're developing. You're figuring out what your life path is going to go and what you're going to do. And the decisions you make between 18 to like 23 are often things that really stay with you and impact you the rest of your life. And 
I'd like to believe that you can turn a corner and make a difference and, and change your life even at 26, 27, 30, 35. And my mom went and got her master's degree way later in life. She's like in her 50s and she's a, a teacher now. She went from doing graphic design to being a elementary school teacher because she wanted to. She always wanted to. And she made a pivot and got her life together. I, I hope Johnny can make a pivot and, and make changes in his life and become a different person because – there's a lot of life ahead of this guy. And I go back to like college is a crazy time. And it's it's sad to see him kind of paying for the sins a little bit of what he did early in his life in college and that that period when it's so chaotic. And I'd like to see a world where you can maybe screw up from 18 to 25, that that time we were developing as a human, and then pivot and make changes and, and do more. Um you know, Johnny said, I was a frat boy. He said, my, my football team was my frat. It's so interesting how that was maybe the most accountability he took during the entire thing. I'm not saying he didn't, but I, there was never that moment that was satisfying to hear him say like, yeah, you know, I made massive mistakes. And this whole documentary really grapples with the meaning of life and finding happiness and how uncomfortable the spotlight can be. And I heard a story from someone who was in the locker room in Texas A&M during the time with Johnny Manziel. I, I'm not going to say who, but during the Chick-fil-A Bowl against Duke, New Year's Eve 2013, they were losing at halftime, and Johnny Manziel was drinking Fireball at halftime. And then you know what he did? After drinking Fireball at halftime of a, a massive bowl game, he goes out, balls out, they win like 52 to 48. Like he, he was just living on the edge of so many things, and... That story has always stuck with me, hearing about Johnny Benzel literally drinking Fireball in front of everyone, you know, in his locker at halftime of a bowl game. Because I, I wonder, Johnny Manziel is viewed as a guy who's a, a partier and, and a wild guy, and he's a bit of that, I'm sure. But I also wonder, you're not partying at halftime when you're losing a bowl game. That's not you partying and having fun. That's you escaping the pressure. So I, this is the darkest thing I'm going to say the whole episode, and it's 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 brutal, um, and I probably should have put it at the beginning, but it's really important people hear this. I think Johnny was escaping the pressure so much during his life, and I don't think he could handle it. I, I think, honestly, like, he's viewed as a guy who handled it really well and enjoyed the spotlight, but I think he's a guy who actually didn't handle it very well. And that's a, that sounds so silly and obvious, but I think he I don't think he enjoyed it the way we view it as like partying, going out. That's supposed to be a fun thing, but I think he was actually escaping and avoiding responsibility. And that's a guy who I think, I don't think he liked being worshiped or, or, you know, treated larger than life the way I think it's portrayed as, and maybe he doesn't even realize this. I don't know that he even realizes how much when he was in college, he sounds like a guy who was overwhelmed by what was happening. And then the way he handled being overwhelmed was to run from it, run into alcohol, run into other stuff. And then he's then he's pissed off at the NCAA for not letting him make money. And so this guy needs a lot of therapy, man. There's so much to unpack with Johnny Menzel. This documentary wasn't quite satisfying because I, I think there's still a lot unanswered and a lot of questions left unanswered in this documentary. Um, he's a guy who never did the work required to succeed in the NFL. And I think a lot of quarterbacks you see today, these guys, Kenny Pickett, C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Bryce Young, all the young guys coming up now, they know the Johnny Manziel story really well. They saw it firsthand, and 
they learned from what happened in Johnny Manziel. I think a lot of the football world learned from what he did and what happened to him. Um, Johnny, Johnny's a sad story, man. And I just want to remind people, when you talk about athletes, these are human beings. These are people. Um, I, I've never met – I've met celebrities before. I've never – I don't think I, if I met a celebrity, like I, I love Tom Brady. If I, if I met Tom Brady, I don't think I'd go, ah, I don't think I'd lose my, I think I'd lose my mind and go crazy. I think I would just be like, Hey man, it's, it's really cool to meet you. You had a huge impact. I think it'd be a genuine interaction. When you see videos of the way t- people treated Johnny Manziel when he was at Texas A&M, it's a bit uncomfortable. Like I don't, I don't understand this level of insanity, this fandom that is, Beyond logic, where you dehumanize a person, you worship them. That's not healthy for anybody. Not for you, the person doing it, not for the person receiving that attention. Even some of the way that, you know, I watched Hard Knocks yesterday. We'll talk about it on the show tomorrow. Even some of the way Aaron Rodgers is treated. You're like, this isn't healthy. This is kind of weird. And I just think the, the relationship people have with celebrity and athletes, it's not quite right, man. And I think it screwed up Johnny Manziel a lot. Um... You know, hearing these stories about Johnny Manziel, how much he was messing up and and falling off the wagon leading up to the combine, it makes me wonder how much this stuff goes on. Like that guy who was a a first-round pick in Tennessee a couple years ago who, like, massive bust. He never did anything. He got got cut. Then he went to Miami, got cut again. First-round pick, offensive lineman uh, out of Tennessee. I forget his name right now. What was happening behind closed doors there? Like, what was going on with him off the field? Because... Maybe his agent was also trying to just keep him in line and make it work. And how often does that happen where – I bet there's so many stories we don't know about. I mean, go watch the TV show Ray Donovan or Flack. Um, there's so much that goes on that we just don't know. We're not privy to. And, uh, oh, man, I, I'd love to see – you know, I, I just hope that as a, as a fan, as a consumer of, of sports and football, you can realize that you're being lied to a lot. Like a lot of the time when – you hear a story about a guy, whether it's Jordan Addison's a great example. Jordan Addison's speeding at 140 miles an hour at 3 a.m. in a Lamborghini. He told he told the cops he spun the story that oh, like you know, my dog was having an emergency. Okay, sure, but when you hear these stories, like Johnny Menzel got out of an NCAA punishment by telling everyone his family had oil money, which is not true at all. That's the kind of stuff where I'm like, hey, you know, don't believe everything you hear at face value. And um, it's funny because I, I, please don't apply that to me, right? I'm, I'm telling you the truth, I swear. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting to me that like, I just, I'd love to see a, a, a higher level of skepticism. And I'm kidding, by the way, like even me, you should treat me with a healthy level of skepticism. I think as a consumer, as a person who watches stuff, whether it's football or TV shows, should always be a little bit like, I don't know about that. It's okay to ask questions and not quite trust everything you hear and see. And uh, the stories about Johnny Manziel sent me down that rabbit hole. I'm like, how much do we hear one side of a story from an athlete? And I wonder, like, you know, great example is Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. Joe Mixon adjusted his contract to stay in Cincinnati. Well, he, he framed it as, well, I want to win a Super Bowl with Joe Burrow. But maybe the conversation really was more like, hey, uh, we're going to cut you unless you take a pay cut. And he's like, well, how about to stay employed? I'll take less money. Right. And then, and they're like, well, we can sell it as you're taking less money to keep the group together and win a Super Bowl. But the reality is Joe, we're not going to pay you what your contract is. We got it. We got to reduce your, your salary. 
you're always being worked in somewhere. You're being told a story. You're being sold an angle. There's always PR happening, marketing happening at some point. And uh, I don't know. I just wonder how much that goes on that we just don't hear about and don't know about. So I don't know, guys. Um, I, I would hope uh, if I ever met some of my heroes, Tim Tebow, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, um, I would be nervous, I'm sure. I mean, I was nervous interviewing Brian Simpson, my favorite comedian recently. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't freak out. And I, I see these videos of, of adults running into other adults. That's all we are, right? You're a special athlete. He's really talented, sure. But that's just another human being. And so I, I, I hope that you listening, if you ever meet someone who is really famous or a high-level athlete or whatever, treat them like a person. Don't worship them. Don't, don't go, like, I, I wonder, you know, I talked about alternate realities earlier. What if our entire society had a different relationship with fame where we didn't freak out? We acknowledged success and we were, we were proud of it. We shook hands. We like, but we had a little less of a fanaticism, a little more of a, like a admiration and respect. Would Johnny, Mel have been, would Johnny Manziel have done differently? Would he have been a different person if instead of being worshipped, he'd been respected and admired, but maybe not had it go over the top? Because I think it messed with his head, that level of fame. I don't know, man. I, this documentary was, um, I think, honestly, a little bit dissatisfying because it just left me with so many questions unanswered. I'm like, ah, what about his teammates? What about, what about after football? What about this? What about that? What about the story that... Was he really drinking at halftime? Like, I don't, I think it's a story only I've ever told. I, I got told that behind closed doors. I, maybe I should never tell it. Um, I don't think it's a, a publicly known story about Johnny Manziel. But my point is, like, I, I really think that there's still so much more story to be told with Johnny Manziel. He's young, too. He's also not very far removed from what happened. I mean, I don't know. It's just a really, uh, I feel for the guy. It's a sad, sad story. And I, I like the documentary. I didn't enjoy it. It's not the right word there, but it was entertaining and it felt noteworthy of covering on the show. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, tomorrow we're doing predictions for the AFC and NFC East, as well as talking about hard knocks. I meant to talk about it today, but I'm, I'm so tired. I'm behind. I'm exhausted. I've been going to bed late, getting up at 4 a.m. to go for my six-mile walk. It's It's been a lot. And so I, uh, Hope you enjoyed today's show. I'll see you tomorrow for predictions. Have a great day. But um bum bam, we are.